Welcome to New Life Bible Church, and thank you for joining us. Every week, listen to practical teaching of God's Word you can apply to your life as you live out your faith every day. Our vision at New Life is that you may know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Here's this week's message from New Life Bible Church. I'm excited, excited to be here this morning. Let's just, let's just go ahead and address the obvious. The, uh, I did get a haircut, so... <laughs> For uh, a round of applause for Gus, please, because Gus was actually the, the artist behind it. Yeah. Okay. Let's take it down a notch. It's not that. For those of you who was uh, your first time or online viewers, just a few days ago, I had long, beautiful, brown man hair that rolled up and rolled up into an elegant man bun, and I was the envy of the land. All the men wanted to be me. All the women thought it was kind of weird, and. And then I went and saw Gus, and now I look Puerto Rican. That's a tale as old as time, really, you know. Excited to be here this morning. Uh, Pastor Rick asked me some time ago to bring the word this morning. And uh, I already knew what I wanted to speak about or something that was on my heart. And uh, I want to talk to you this morning about flood preparation. Uh, speaking about the flood for a few reasons. One, the, uh, well, I wanted to. And two... Yeah, I like the story. I love the story of the flood. It's one of those things, it could, uh, it could build your faith or it could shake your faith if you're, if you're not careful. And uh, it's a love story, really. And I've, I've been, uh, uh, the closer we got today, I was seeing it all the time. I just taught it to the kids last week, the 6 to 12. And uh, we're going to talk about flood preparation, but we're going to talk about the flood for just a minute, if, uh, if that's okay. The, uh, I'll see it's one of those things that People can, uh, they'll bring forth to talk about God, but I've also seen people use it in uh, defense, and, uh, and, I, and I will see people withdraw, you know, when that subject comes up. And I am by no means an expert in apologetics or anything, but the, uh, I think it's okay to have a healthy curiosity about the Bible through the lens of faith, knowing that we're not going to get everything, because if we did, then God wouldn't be God any longer. You understand? If we can explain it all, then God would no longer be Lord. The, uh, but there is also quite a few things that we can get that's explained, and the, uh, I'm excited to look into those things. I, I am very open with the youth. I always allow questions. Uh, we have Snacking with Jesus once a month, and um, those funniest, weirdest questions you can imagine. But I, I love uh, when you can have a place where you can ask healthy biblical questions, the, uh, as long as you're prepared for I don't know sometimes. But a lot of times, there's, uh, there's good stuff there. The... Today I chose flood preparation because we, everyone has rainy days, right? The Bible doesn't only say uh, we're going to have them. There's almost a promise that uh, they're coming, and uh, there's ways to prepare for that. And uh, it's all to the individual. It's all the, uh, what you take and how you prepare. We, we talked a few weeks ago on a Wednesday that oftentimes if you ask for a magnifying, a magnifying glass, God's going to give you a mirror in its place. The... Uh, because also it's twice as helpful. A magnifying glass, you could look at one thing. With a mirror, you can uh, reflect on yourself and your surroundings. And uh, so we see that in flood preparation. is how we prepare personally and what the effect is. And it's also for good times, too. The, I believe this church has been in a place of flood preparation for years. Um, flood preparation for the uh, revival, for signs and wonders and miracles and for the walls to be decorated with wheelchairs no longer needed and crutches no longer needed. And amen, yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, 
And we're excited. We're excited for that. The uh, high Winchesters. The, uh, I'm excited. <laughs> if I can't hug you, I'm going to yell at you. Love you guys. The, uh, and we're excited for that. Me and my wife, we, in Oklahoma, you know, we, we had a different seat uh, for the past couple years. You know, the, uh, you can see things happening in the church, but it's a little bit different from when you're that far away looking in. And things were happening here, boy. Things were happening. Uh, prophecies were being told. People were, the, uh, I came back. I left, said bye to Curly. I came back, said hi to Pastor Curly. It was, you know, things were just going, going, going. We really had to jump on the train when we got back. Because uh, this place didn't stop moving. In fact, it picked up speed. So we are very excited. The, uh, like I said, there's not a, I didn't prepare a smooth transition from the flood to Noah because we're going to talk about how Noah prepared a flood. So it's just going to be like, we're done with that. We're going to talk about this now. The, I didn't think of anything catchy to kind of tr- you know, go over to that topic. So we're going to start just by discussing the flood. Is that okay? The, uh, cool, excited. The, uh, not like you, if you said no, anything was going to change. But I'm glad to know we're on the same page. The, the flood was a, it was a year-long world-ending catastrophe. The, uh, it destroyed the pre-flood world, and it was God's righteous judgment on the wickedness of man, and which the likes of only eight people survived, Noah's family, and a representative of every land animal, male and female, above, aboard the ark. The, uh, and that was some people, thinking about the people who uh, died in the flood, my heart always goes out to the animals. I don't know if anyone else, the, uh, if I see on the news somebody murdered somebody. It was like, oh, you know, you know what happened. If somebody killed a dog, I'm like, oh, kill him. That's, mm-mm. that's, no, prison, prison immediately. You know, that's, I don't know if my brain's supposed to be wired that way, but that's, again, it is what it is. And I got the microphone, so you're going to hear how my brain works. <laughs> the, uh, so it was a, it was a year-long catastrophe that uh, ended the world. Then before we actually talk about the flood, we have to talk about the reason for the flood, the uh, main character in some ways, and that's sin. Uh, sin is described in the Bible as transgression of the law of God or rebellion against God. It had its beginning with Lucifer in heaven, the, uh, one of the most powerful and beautiful of angels. And uh, he desired not just to be like God, he desired to be higher than God. And uh, this was his downfall. Cast out of heaven, later renamed Satan. Uh, we find him next in the Garden of Eden, bringing that same enticement to Adam and Eve, saying, you shall be like God. Through that, sin entered the human race and entered the world. Now, sin was not a part of the original blueprints of this world. The physical and the spiritual are very closely intertwined. Whether people believe to accept it or not, it's a truth, right? And we could change facts. They change often, right? The, uh, the world used to be flat, then it was round, and now it's flat again to some people. Facts change all the time. You know, but the uh, truth doesn't change, and that's the truth, that the physical and the spiritual are very closely intertwined. So the blueprint for humanity, for creation, for the planet, did not include sin. You see a problem right from the jump. Something was added to the recipe that it did not call for, and we're going to see here shortly how we see malfunctions start to take place. The, uh, through the introduction of sin, we saw two things happen. One, the uh, two curses, really. The curse of the law, which we are redeemed from through Jesus Christ. Amen. The, uh, but also the curse of the initial uh, sin outbreak, introduction, really. And, and we see that, how sin affected the world. As soon as it was introduced, it affected the world. The, um, I forget where it's said, but I know Satan is referred to in, uh, in one of the letters the, as the God of this world. And... Uh, when Adam and Eve 
were on this planet, they had the rights to this planet. They had the, uh, the lease, if you will. And uh, when the rebellion against God took place, we see somewhat almost of the lease being transferred. The uh, people say, why do bad things happen to good people? The, uh, it's because good people live in a bad world. The, uh, it's just, it happens. All right? So we see the world automatically shifting in the very first few chapters of Genesis. Uh, sin affects every area of life. Some of the repercussions of sin was pain and death entered, entered the human race immediately. It entered the human race. In Genesis 3.16, to the woman he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. And in 3.19, by the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, from dust you are, and dust you will return. The, uh, we see that nature was actually affected. Genesis 3, 17 through 18. To Adam he said, because you listened to your wife and ate from the fruit of the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the day of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat plants of the field. And a lot of Bible experts actually agree that thorns was a physical manifestation of sin being introduced. So it's not discussed much, but people believe that that was a literal verse, that things started happening immediately on this planet founded and this world build, built for no sin, and now sin is introduced. We see things happening. And uh, last but not least, and we don't got to get carried away with this one, but the uh, animal kingdom also was affected. Not because animals did anything, but sin has such a widespread repercussion that when it was introduced, it just affected everything. Right? It was, it, was, it was a wave. Everything was affected in one way or another. By the time it was decided for the flood to happen, humanity was at its peak of sin, evil at the time. Genesis 6, 5, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil. The message of the Bible says, God saw that human evil was out of control. People thought evil, imagined evil, 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 evil from morning to night. Genesis 6, 11 through 13. The earth was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. So these two verses paint a very vivid picture. The, uh, every intent of the heart was evil, every thought was evil, and out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks, so what they said was evil. They said what they did, what they thought, it's all bad. This was a very different type of world, and uh, the world would not be the same today if the flood never happened. And it would be a very different place. And this type of evil had lots of time to mature because people lived a very long time. So it wasn't 50, 60 years of practice. This was hundreds of years of practice for people being evil. The, uh, we're going to look at how God made the earth real quick and then the flood. We're going to kind of look at it and die. We're going to dissect a lot of things today just to nothingness, if uh, that's okay. The, uh, when God made the earth in Genesis 2, 5 through 6, and every plant of the field before it was in the earth, and every herb of the field before it grew. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was not a man to till the ground. But there went up a mist from the earth that watered the whole face of the ground. This is just a small uh, little example that the world, as we see, was made differently. The, uh, the ground wasn't watered this way, it was watered this way. And a lot of theologians and uh, creationists uh, touch on this, that there, there may have actually been a reservoir, some sort of water canal, something under the initial layer of the earth that caused the mist to come up, which plays an important role because we'll learn in a minute when the flood came, 
it said water came from above and below. So fast forward to the beginning of the flood, Genesis 7, 11 through 12. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up, the windows of heaven were open, and the rain was upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights. We see several things happening here. I switched my stack of papers. That's why I'm shuffling. There we go. We see several things happening here. One, there, there wasn't a whole lot of evidence that it rained before. The, uh, so just taking that face value that it didn't rain, water came up from this way, but there was some sort of water in the atmosphere that rained and came down mercilessly when the Bible refers to that as the windows of heaven were opened. The fountains of the deep, the great deep were broken up, and a lot of, again, theologians and uh, uh, creationists believe that as actually excess water, that was under the ocean. Some sort of volcanic eruption, tectonic shift, maybe something released and broke up the fountains of the great deep. So water was coming from above, water was coming from below. And again, that, that it, uh, the plants saying it watered, they got watered, but it was from below. So water came from above, below, and even deeper below. So this is, this is getting pretty bad pretty quick. This was because the flood took place and it was immediate, the flood. We see something happening here, something, uh, something obviously physical, but it's something spiritual manifesting. We spoke a few weeks ago, or I mentioned a few weeks ago, something that is cursed will not operate the same way to something that is blessed. And something that is blessed will not operate the same way as something that is cursed. Especially if something that is blessed that was blessed, that was created blessed, is now cursed. It's going to malfunction. A curse is simply this, an absence of a blessing. We see a lot of times in the Bible where uh, God may remove his blessing from a situation and bad things may start to happen, where a curse takes its place. Where there is no blessing, you will see a curse present itself. When God created this earth, it was perfect. He walked on this earth with Adam. He walked in the garden. There was nothing wrong with it. It was created to be blessed. We see it work differently. We see it operated differently. And then sin entered the world. God cannot fellowship with sin. Therefore, God cannot fellowship with man. Sin entered this planet God had to remove himself from the situation. God had to remove his hand from the situation. God had to remove his blessing from the situation. This planet that was designed in its spiritual blueprint to be blessed just lost its blessing, and a curse took its place. And we could see in Genesis the earth actually malfunctioning. So to sum it up, the flood was a result of God's judgment, but it was also a direct result of sin being introduced to the world, a causality. Because we can see from water coming from below, excuse me, below, up top, even deeper below, in the system that kept all these things in place, collapsing on top of each other. Are we good so far? I'm not, I'm not going too far left or too far right, am I? I made sure to use lots of Bible verses here. Sin affected every area of the human life. 
excuse me, of the planet, the human race, nature, the planet itself, the way the world was meant to function, we can see clearly a malfunction taking place in Genesis that caused all these things to actually collapse because of rebellion. Through the flood, it wasn't an answer to necessarily just wipe the earth. It was an answer to maintain humanity. It was an answer to maintain the plan of salvation. You understand? Because one of the biggest things you think of from Genesis to Matthew was the plan of salvation started in Genesis as soon as humanity was in sin. God spoke about Jesus immediately. So we see the plan of salvation going through. There's a book called The Scarlet Thread. It speaks about from Genesis to Revelation, or Genesis to Matthew, rather, the uh, salvation and the plan of it having to be executed. So through the flood, God preserved the planet, God preserved the human race, God preserved the animal kingdom, and the plan of salvation in that through a very righteous man named Noah. Praise God. The, uh, we, we still good, right? Make, okay, we're, we're going to jump into Noah here in a second. Noah was a righteous man. The Bible calls him a preacher of righteousness. They, uh, in Genesis 6, 8 through 9, Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and walked faithfully with God. The, uh, the New Testament, it refers to him as a ri- uh, preacher of righteousness. So the, uh, I, I believe that Noah was preaching why he was alive. I believe that people heard the flood was coming. I believe these things took place. You don't get called a preacher unless you preach. Right? Not to mention the, uh, the ark he was building, and we'll get into the time span later, but it's, uh, it won't go without notice. Uh, let's say that much. So I'm sure he was the crazy man of the town. So it wasn't so much no one else was worthy enough. Nobody else would listen. So, uh, and I'm, like, I'm sure he was known as a crazy person. I'm sure he's made fun of. And that speaks a lot because if you're a man of here, you know, it doesn't take much. Men just make fun of each other for nothing anyways. So it's just like, <laughs> he brought an umbrella. It's like, oh, what, man? I don't want to get wet. I don't, you know, you don't need much to make fun of each other. So this guy, he was the joke of the town. For probably a very long time, but through his righteousness, God saved the human race, and uh, the plan of salvation continued through Noah and Noah's flood preparation, because he had to prepare for a very long time for this. So we're going to take some things out of Noah's life, and we're going to use it for ourselves and how we can prepare. And again, we're just going to just dissect this to nothingness. I've been, my wife is probably so sick and tired of hearing about Noah. The, I've been, probably not, but I've been, every time something happens, you know, she's my helper, so I've got to run everything through her. And uh, she tells me to yes or to no. Luckily, it was, it was yes a lot. So, number one in your notes, flood preparation. Provision was in place before the situation occurred. God spends verses 14 through 21 in chapter 6 giving no instructions before anything even happened. There was provision in place. Oh. There is provision in our life always to get through flood seasons, ark style. But a lot of times, I think we end up like this. Just hanging on by, just hanging on by a thread. Can I tell you, I've been on both sides of this. I prepared correctly and gotten through ark style, and other times I didn't prepare correctly, and I had to hang on to, let's say, the grace of God. 
and just keep my head above water. And the thing is, it's always there, but it's whether we choose to prepare correctly with it or not. The um, Matthew seven twenty four through twenty seven. That's going to distract me. I already know it. I'm kicking off stage. Seven twenty four through twenty seven. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell. And great was the fall. Letter A in your notes. The provision was God's word. Too many times we look for provision outside of God's word and then we have the nerve to be displeased with the results when it doesn't work out in our favor. I've been there. I've looked for provision and then uh, I've had the audacity to be upset when I wasn't looking in the right place anyways. The, uh, a lot of people look for provision outside of God. They look through, uh, for, for money, for jobs, for, for people, just more finances. You know, more finances to a person who doesn't know how to handle finances isn't a blessing, it was a curse. There was a man speaking to God one time, and he said, God, how long is a thousand years to you? And God said, just a second. He said, how long, or excuse me, how much is a million dollars? God said, just a penny. The man said, can I get just a penny? And God said, yeah, just a second. <laughs> You see, God doesn't give provision. He, he is provision. Right? Jehovah Jireh, he is the provider, but he is the provision in our lives. John 6, 28. Excuse me. Yeah, John 6, 28 to 36. Then they asked him, what must we do to the works? Excuse me. What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered. The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. They asked him. What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. And Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still do not believe. As Pastor Rick spoke some time ago about seeking the face of God and not the hand of God. The, uh, I love that. And when you seek the hand of God, the, uh, eventually it's, it's going to run out because you don't even know the person you're asking from, really. When you seek the face of God, you seek to know God. The, uh, the, the hand comes along with it. And when we see who Jesus is compared to our problems, the, uh, there's no other option, really, the, uh, the name of all names against anything that we're going through. Provision. God provides for all that. He provided for all that. The, uh, very long time ago during worship, uh, God spoke to me about something, and I wrote it down. I always keep a, a notebook with me. The, uh, especially if I know it, it's something I'm, I'm being ministered to. I wrote down this thought. And the thought was this. 
God was saying, you've heard the expression that if you give a man a fish, he won't be hungry for the night. But if you teach a man to fish, he'll never be hungry again. If God can take away your problem, you will not have to worry today. But if he could change the way you see your problems, you will never have to worry again. If you could change the way you see your problems compared to God and his provision in Jesus, you will never have to worry a day in your life. Right? But the problem is typically on our end, right? And again, I'll raise my hand first so nobody feel, feel obligated. Just keep looking straight. Nobody's going to know I'm talking to you. It's fine. Number two, he clung to his word throughout the entire process. There is no mention that God spoke to Noah between the time the instructions were given for the ark and the completion of the ark. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. This is believed to be the time that was left before the flood occurred, which suggests how much time was needed to build the ark, which leads me to my previous point. There may have been a chance that God spoke to Noah about the instructions for the ark and did not speak to him for 120 years until the completion. Noah had to cling to that word for 120 years. I cannot build a desk in two hours with instructions. <laughs> that is 100% under the wife category. I'll do all the hammering and tools, but that's, I, I just, mm. 120 years he was building this ark. There's a name for that span of time I've heard somebody say before. From the time that God tells you to do something and until you start it or complete it, I've heard it called that this is uh, called the devil's time. Because that's how much time he has to convince you out of what God has asked you to do. <laughs> it goes and it comes. I can't control the, yeah. The, uh, the time between God telling you to do something and the time between you doing it or completing it is referred to as the devil's time. Because he has this much time to convince you out of what God has asked you to do. And uh, with the same thing he's been using uh, in the first conversation ever recorded, Adam and Eve, did God really say that? Did God really tell you that? And I'm willing to bet after 120 years, that probably came up. But obviously we can see it didn't work. How many dreams has Satan stolen just by convincing somebody? Did God really say that? I've heard uh, Alistair say this a long time ago, that the, the richest place in the world no, most treasures, the most riches is a graveyard because there are paintings that were never painted. There were businesses that were never started. There were destinies that were never accomplished. And uh, I might be messing up a little bit, but that's the gist of it. The, uh, and that's, that's truer than true, isn't it? Matthew fourteen twenty two to 33. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And there went... Excuse me. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him 
and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Uh Uh-oh. You hold this for me. So, Peter saw Jesus, and Peter was the, uh, what's a good word? Mm. Peter was always the guy to say something. He was always the guy to do something. He was that guy. That, that guy came in handy sometimes, and sometimes it didn't. But in this time, it did. And this time, I, I think it marked him in history, because he was the only person ever recorded to walk on water, except Jesus. The, uh, again, the, these are, this is a history book. This is, this is a human being who walked on water. That's impossible. It's irrational. But then again, I don't think God's rational in many ways, and I thank goodness for that, right? Thank God that he's not rational. Uh, we wouldn't be here today. The, uh, so he wanted to walk on water. He didn't look for a flotation device. He didn't look for a piece of wood. He said, Jesus, tell me, command me. Your word is good enough. So he said, Jesus, command me to say, come. He could have grabbed anything on that boat, and I'm sure they had things. But he said, this is enough. If you tell me, if you command me, there's no doubt in my mind that I can do this. He clung to that word because that's all he needed. He said, Jesus, tell me to come. There's been times in my life where this is all, and a lot of us, this is all we had to cling to, and thank God, that's all we needed. And there's... There's so many people jumping from different belief systems, uh, religions, and I was thinking about that the other day. And once you know Jesus, not only do you not need to, there's no desire. That's enough. I have, if someone says they have the keys to Jesus, is enough. It doesn't, it, it's, it's borderline crazy and irrational, but I don't care what you have to say. This is enough for me. Letter A in your notes, the word was written to me and for me. I don't know if that's correct grammatically, but it's what I wanted to say. And I got the microphone, so just. <laughs> the word was written to me and for me. The, uh, this, nah, I'll get it later. this is a personal letter from a father to his children. This was written to you. This was written for you. There was a... Uh, there was a man who would walk a tightrope across Niagara Falls. And he would walk from one side to another, and people would clap and shout. And he would do tricks, and he would push a barrel across. People would shout and clap. Everyone knew he could do it. They, they've seen him do it a hundred times. He got back to the crowd, and he's like, now who wants to get inside the barrel? You know, those hands started to go down a little bit, right? People kind of started taking a step back. See, everybody knew he could do it, but nobody thought they could do it for them. Do you know that all the things God didn't hear for people, he can do for you? In Isaiah, it says, through his stripes, you are healed. Speaking about Jesus, you know, I think it's First Peter. It says, by his stripes, you were healed. You know, between you are healed and you were healed, you is healed, right? <laughs> between you are and you were, you is. That's, that's good preaching. If I don't like it, I can't expect y'all to like it. And I like it. In Luke 137, uh, it says, For nothing is impossible with God, which is a true statement, just face value. But it's in a context out of a conversation about childbearing for someone who didn't think they could have children. 
And the angel said, for nothing is impossible with God. By, uh, by a raise of hands in here, if you ever were told you couldn't have children, you had children, can you raise your hand real quick? And for anyone who, the few people, the, uh, and if you're in here and, you, and you're ever struggling with thought, the thought, there's nothing impossible with God. And there is a literal example of that in the Bible. Number three, the word was applied immediately. Genesis 6, 22, thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him, so he did. This may sound simple, but if you remember anything from today, remember this. The word of God is meant for immediate application to your life. Immediate application. The, uh, we read this verse already, but I like it, so we're going to read it again because it still applies. Matthew seven twenty four through 27. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Immediate application to our lives. When you hear the word, the, I, I think it's Proverbs, Bible says, gossip separates close friends. Someone hears that, they apply it to their life, and they navigate in and out of conversations that require that for their participation. Practical, immediate, right? Immediate application. Where it says even a, a hint of sexual morality, not even a, not even a hint of sexual morality, of lust. We hear this, we apply it immediately. Right? I make a covenant with my eyes. I bring in a close friend for accountability. These are practical things people do, right? Practical things. Here's a tough one. Anything that is causing any sort of temptation on social media, immediate application, I delete it and I get rid of it. Right? That, that may not apply to everyone, but I think it's a big thing for today. The, uh, if there is something I'm seeing on social media, something that's happening, that's causing something in me, I would delete that person. I don't need that in my life. If you're married, it's not needed in a marriage. If I'm giving my passion to somebody or they're taking my passion from me, right? Immediate application. One of the first rules in Bible interpretation is you take something and you date it back to the first time it was mentioned or at least discussed deeply in context. One of the first times... The word adultery is really discussed. God is talking about the uh, nation of Israel. And he's calling them an adulterous nation because they're giving things, worship, and praise that belong to him to somebody else. Adultery in its finest form, its basic element, is simply this passion that belongs to my spouse. I'm taking it and I'm giving it to somebody else. Now, these, this is practical application, am I right? This isn't... The, uh, I, I'm not doing this to mention this to somebody. So these are things that we see, we apply immediately to our life. The word is meant for immediate application or it is useless to you. And you can quote me a Bible verse in Hebrew and Latin and where every word is derived from, it means nothing to you if it is not applied to your life. My, uh, my son Sam, he's two years old, a lot of you see him about this tall, roars, everybody sees. He... Um, he, my wife or I, typically my wife, will uh, 
brush his teeth, and she'll say, all right, Sam, say, ah, very softly, ah, and he goes, and she'll say, Sam, say, cheese, and Sam will go, Here's my point. The immediate application doesn't always bring immediate results. (laughs) And let me be the first one to tell you that's okay. A lot of us are still getting it right. In fact, everybody's still getting it right. But there's no excuse to not start. You don't need to be great to be started, but you need to start to be great. And you got to start wherever you are. Right? So I hope I didn't, again, just keep looking forward. Don't look side to side. Nobody knows I'm talking to you. Last but not least, number four in your notes, there are promises that require obedience that faith cannot override. Isaiah 1, 19, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. Noah's faith alone would not have saved him or his family. He was a righteous man, but it would not have saved him if he was not obedient to what God had asked him to do. Quite some time ago, me and uh, my wife moved to Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. Shortly after we got married, the, uh, not even a year, I think, right? And uh, to, in, a, in a regular conversation with somebody, it wasn't a wise move. It wasn't a rational move. By no means. We moved away from all our family, all our friends, and uh, we moved away from this church, and that was a big deal. This, this church is, has always been and always will be actual family to us, actual family to me. I, I started walking here when I was 15. Alistair was my youth pastor, and I, I'm in a lot of ways a product of his uh, dedication to the ministry. The, this was our family, and we had to leave all that to a place. We signed a lease for an apartment, and we had no jobs. That is not a rational thing to do. Not rational. We moved to a place where I've never been outside. I've been outside of Florida once or twice, maybe Georgia and the Carolinas. Moved to a place where they have seasons. For those of you who are Florida natives, don't rack your brain. I'll share it with you. They have something called winter, where snow falls from the sky like a freaking movie. Before we left, we were trying to explain this to my niece. She was, what, five at the time? Five, six, seven? And she didn't know snow was real. As did I, to some extent. We moved to a place where trees changed colors, where it got so cold. I'm going to tell you, listen. You're not going to believe this, but you got to just take my word for it. I would look at the railing, and you'd see icicles. Let me tell you how icicles formed. It's when water is dropping, and it gets right about here, and it just gives up. (laughs) It's so cold that the water goes, I'm done. (laughs) I'm not moving until it gets warm again. That's how an icicle is formed. That's it. That's the whole science behind it. I'm stopping right here, and when it warms, I'll move again. That's the science. You're welcome. It's not in your notes, but feel free. <laughs> Believe me, I didn't do the research, so fact check it. Yeah. We were obedient in what God asked us to do. 
and it was not easy. I believe a lot of things that call for obedience are not always going to be easy in our lives. They, they cause growth. They cause stretching of the person, right? It's not always comfortable when you're, when you're stretching. Right? We had a um, last, last month or this month, rather, a spiritual fitness. That was the, the topic for, for youth. And uh, I, I want everyone to come over to a spiritual goal and a physical goal. And my, my physical goal was to, 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 was to touch my toes because I can't <laughs> touch my toes. And I've been practicing. It wasn't, it, I'm not trying to exaggerate. It wasn't easy. It, it hurt stretching that much trying to touch my toes. It's not easy growing. It's not easy being who God wants us to be and needs us to be. But the results could not be accomplished without the obedience. My marriage would not be what it is today if I wasn't obedient. And we moved. Because in those few years we spent away, God did in our marriage that we couldn't have done in 30 years if we wouldn't have been obedient. My relationship with God would not be what it is today. And again, I couldn't have got there any other way. I had to be obedient. And there's next seasons and next levels in our life that are going to require your obedience. And it's not going to be comfortable. But not everything that's worth accomplishing really is, I guess, isn't it? The uh, Ricky, you go ahead and come up wherever you are. The, I feel bad because I know he's hobbling up here, but I don't know who else can play guitar, man. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Something real soft, ACDC, Back in Black, or something. <laughs> Again, for the the flood preparation in our life. It could be something preparing for a rainy season. It could be preparing for something good. Like I said before, uh, you know, uh, one of the reasons businesses fail is not because they, uh, they did bad. It's because they weren't prepared for the success that came. You know, there was a, a preparation that wasn't taking place. And there may be a flood season in your life that requires flood preparation that might not be the best. Sometimes we go through things, and there might be something really good finna happen for you. And if you're not ready to catch it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hit you right in the mouth. What was the quote we heard the other day? Mike Tyson's quote, everyone has a plan so they get punched in the mouth. The, uh, yeah, my favorite. I've been saying to everybody. The uh, flood preparation. The, uh, it was irrational. You can turn the lights down just a tad. The, uh, it was irrational, the flood. I'll be the first to say. A lot of things in the Bible were irrational. The, uh, it's an irrational thought to want to fix things that way, but it worked. And a lot of things in the Bible are irrational but our thoughts are not his thoughts. It's irrational to want to send your only son to hang on a cross. That's irrational. It's irrational to want to leave a kingdom in heaven, come down to earth, and hang on a cross for something you didn't do, for living a life that nobody could live, and taking the punishment that everybody deserved. That's the most irrational thing I've ever heard of. But here we are today. It's irrational to take our sin that we accumulated, to take it and to give us salvation, to give us righteousness in this place. The, I noticed the more you spend time in the Word, the, the, the longer your walk is with Jesus, the, the weight changes from initially hearing about what it is to learning 
what it really meant. And I find when if you're, you're speaking to Jesus when you first get saved and him saying, I have to die for your sins, there's not much weight to it. You don't know who Jesus is. I didn't know. Okay. You kind of accept it. Some of us, right? I didn't have a very dramatic um, moment when I was born again, but I, I knew something was happening. I was right here. I was preaching. And that's, they haven't got rid of me since. But I find the more you spend time in the Word, the more weight is added to it. And every day, it's more and more rational. And I find myself more and more grateful for it. Because the thought is no longer, oh, okay, he died. Jesus saying, I have to do this for you. It changes, right? It gets more heavy. It's, no, you don't. Why would you do that? That's an irrational thing. I have to hang on a cross for something I didn't do, but I'm doing it for you. I'm taking your punishment. It's like, <laughs> why, why would you do that? Those were my crimes. I did those things. I hurt those people. That wasn't you. Jesus would say, I have to do it for you. No, you don't. Those are my strikes. That's my beating. Those are my lashes. You don't have to do this. You shouldn't have to do this. It's irrational. But again, here we are. Here we are in the midst of this irrationality that we call reality. Where the perfect Son of God came and gave us something that we can never acquire on our own. Father, we thank you. We thank you so much that this is an irrational life we live, Father. It makes no sense sometimes how reckless your love is chasing after us. There's nothing we could do to deserve it. And there's nothing that you did to deserve what happened, Father. But you did it for us, Jesus. You hung on that cross with us in mind. You took that punishment with us in mind. We thank you, Father, for the plans you have for us, Lord, all based on that thought process of salvation. Dio, with every head still bowed, if you're in here today, and uh, there's going to be two questions. The first one is, if you've been to church or been out of church, but you never officially accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, what that means basically is Jesus lived a life we couldn't live and took the punishments that we should have taken to give us the salvation that we don't deserve. So when we stand before God, God doesn't see us. He sees Jesus. God is not going to see what I've done and what I really deserve. He's going to see Jesus and he's going to see a ticket and it's going to say price paid fully. So when we enjoy salvation and eternal life in heaven, it's not based on our deeds and what we've done. We get in on Jesus' ticket. If you've never accepted Jesus to that extent, if you just want to slip your hand up and we're just going to pray with you. All right, the second one. The, uh, this is kind of more broad. If there's anyone who wants to learn, you don't have to stand up or do anything. The, uh, if you heard something today and you know that you need to be in a better place of preparation, a better place, you know you need to look in the mirror much more than a magnifying glass and you know that God has amazing plans for you. I don't have to know you to tell you that. 
There's a lot of things about the Bible that I don't have to know you to know it's true. But I promise if you seek his face, I mean really seek his face, I promise you're going to see results. And I'd like to hear about them. If that's you, just slip your hand up real quick. You don't have to get up or do anything. We're just going to kind of do a general prayer. All right, a few people. Even me too, I'll throw my hand up. I know I need to prepare better for things. And, uh, but a day, like we said, you don't have to be uh, great to be started, but you have to start to be great. So this is more of a flag, a pole in the ground saying, I'm starting today. I'm starting today. I need to be better. I need to be better for my family, for, for my husband, for my wife, for my kids. I need to be better. And I'm going to seek the face of God. Father, we thank you for the word today. We thank you for everything you've done, dear Lord. We thank you that you give us the tools to be better. Weapons may form against us, Father, but they won't prosper. They won't work. We have the name of Jesus, Father. Everyone who raised their hand, I pray a personal prayer over them, Father. Personally, touch them where they're at. Meet them where they're at, Father. Light a fire inside them, dear Lord, that they seek your face, Father. I thank you for your reckless love, dear Lord. I pray a reckless chase on us, Father, that we begin to chase after you recklessly, Father. For a gift, a gift that you gave us of salvation to live a better life, dear Lord. It won't always be perfect, but your word is there, Father. Your word is there to make sure we get through the bad times. We thank you, Father, and I thank you for all the testimonies that are going to come from this, from just pursuing after your face, Father, taking the word, clinging to it, and being obedient in the things you called us to do. We love you, Father. We thank you so much for everything you've done for us. We look forward to the plans in our life. And again, I look forward personally to hearing the testimonies for everyone who's going to leave here today and seek your face, Father. It's going to benefit them. It's going to benefit their family. And it's going to have a whole widespread repercussions over everything around them, Father. We thank you that you get the glory for that. We thank you. We love you. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the New Life Bible Church podcast. If you're ever in the Central Florida area, consider this a standing invitation for you to join us. We would love to meet you. Services are Sundays at 1030 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If this message blessed you, imagine what it would be like in person. Keep up with everything going on at New Life on our website, orangecitychurch.com. New Life Bible Church, you will never be the same.